Good morning. Hey, if you would indulge us, we are going to break our routine this morning. Um, I heard it put this way recently that, yeah, you ever had that moment where you're like, I just don't know where the years went or this, it's just gone so fast. And the person said that, that part of what makes it that way is routine, that you just begin to do the same thing over and over and over. Um, and before you know it, days have turned into months and years. And um, I think the same thing can be true of church. I, I think sometimes we get in a, in a rhythm and a routine and it's not long before like months have gone by and you've been attending, but you can't remember anything. And gosh, we don't want today to be that. We don't want today to be that. Uh, as Mike said, we are in a series, Prayer Equals Life. And, and as Ron and I have been talking a bunch about it, he kept using this phrase over and over. He goes, I, I don't want us to just teach what prayer is. I don't want this to be a theological people walk out smarter, but don't walk out praying more. He said, I want us to pray. I want us to do prayer. And so we begin to brainstorm, like, what, what does that look like? And what can that be? And um, you might have noticed these in the lobby out there stuck through chicken wire, right? And the goal was this, that especially today, that they're going to roll the side exits at the end. You don't need to use them because we're going to bottleneck right there and create chaos um, because you're all going to go out and pick up one of these. And here's why. That what's written on here is about us. It's about this. It's about life. It's about doing it together. And, and here's one of the things that, that we're hopefully we discover in this. It's not us and you. It's us. We are the church. It's a collective whole. And when it comes to praying for the church and it comes to, to lifting up ministries and, and praying for one another, um, we're called to do it together. And so out there, if you got one last week, don't worry. They're all new this week. They're all different. Um, just grab one of these, and this will encourage you. It will challenge you to pray twice a day for something specific related to the church. And next week, we're going to do something new with it. Um, we also added this week, you might have noticed on the north patio, so if you go straight out these doors, there's what looks like a little pulpit. You can stand there and preach if you want. That's not what it's for, but you can. Um, but it's this little pulpit thing, and on the top, you'll notice it has a piece of paper. That is the first part of a prayer walk that we want to encourage you over the next two weeks to do. Because again, we're in this together. We're here together. We're walking through this together. And we have some, we, we, us, not leadership, not elders, not staff. We, the church, have some major decisions ahead of us of what we're going to do and where we're going to go. And so what the prayer walk does is it starts there and there's five spots as you go around this building. And they're designed to pray specifically over the future of heights. And, and so if you're in a life group, I, I would encourage you, man, carve out some time, maybe as a whole group, that outside of church time, just come and walk and just pray and just lift up what God's doing and, and help us catch a vision of where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do. And then today, we're going to take our time that's left and we're just going to mix it. A little bit of teaching, a little bit of prayer, a little bit of worship. And we're just going to ebb and flow throughout the rest of the morning. And, and here, here's kind of the heart behind it, right? Is, is it, there's a quote that Richard Rohr makes in his book, The Naked Now. He says, prayer is like practicing heaven now. 
John 17, chapter, or chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus is speaking and he says specifically that eternal life, eternal life is to know God, the one true God. The way that, that, that word know is to experience. It's a relational term. And this idea of prayer is that we get to practice that relationship that Jesus has purchased for us for all of eternity. We get to practice it here and now through this avenue of prayer. And I don't know how you came in. Maybe you walked through the door and you're like, John, I I don't pray because I don't know what to say. Or I don't pray because I just don't get it. Or or I feel like my prayers, they just bounce off the ceiling. Right? Or or, like I, I get the concept of prayer, but I just don't know what to do. Well, welcome. Today's going to be fun. Because we're going to practice. We're going to practice heaven now. We're going to practice the gift that we've been given to be able to commune with an almighty God. By the way, prayer is nothing more than a conversation. Prayer is nothing more than entering into a conversation. And, and the disciples, you're not alone. If you're here and you're like, man, I, I'm just not sure about this prayer thing. Like, like I get nervous and my words aren't good, so you do it. You were called to do it. Jesus died and purchased this gift for you. It's vital. And you're not alone because the disciples who walked with Jesus, right? There's a point where they go, hey, hey, Jesus, that's all well and good, but would you teach us how to pray? And so if you have a Bible, if you'll open to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Someone will get you one. But in Matthew chapter 6, it's also recorded in Luke. And in Luke, the, the, the phrase that's right before it is teach us how to pray. That was born out of. Jesus had been teaching and he said, hey, by the way, when you pray, go into your closet, shut the door. Don't do it for show. And Landon and Ron unpacked that really, really well last week for us. But and then it gets to the point where he goes and don't babble. So he goes, he goes, isolate yourself. Don't babble. The question then becomes, well, what do we do? What do we say? What does it look like? And in Matthew chapter six. And we have what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. We're just going to read it together, if you don't mind, just to kick this thing off and kind of, kind of frame up. We're going to anchor in this passage for the rest of our time. But Jesus is speaking, and he's telling them, this then is how you pray. And we're going to pick up in verse 9. It doesn't matter on your translation. Just plow through. We're all going to read it out loud. Ready? Start with our Father. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's right. You can say that. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Right? Lord, teach us how to pray. And then he says, our Father, our Father in heaven. See, see what's fascinating is I, like right up front, let's, let's be really, really clear. I don't think that what we're going to go through, I don't think Jesus is saying, okay, memorize this, boys. Right? He's talking to his disciples, memorize this. And whenever you go to pray, this is what you say. Just keep saying it. Over, that's not what he's saying. 
But there's some concepts and principles that, that he wraps in here, and it begins with our Father, and, and Ron and Landon unpack that whole relationship. This is relationship. This is a purchase relationship. This is, this is an intimate relationship, right? So our Father in where? Heaven. So instantly now, the very first line that Jesus says is, pull your eyes off of here. Remind yourself who you're talking to. Remind, you, remind yourself of where he is. So, so let's just do that for a second, okay? Because if we're going to focus on heaven, then, then what happens is we have to pull our eyes out of here. And what we start to realize is, wait, we're on a really tiny blue dot that's spinning around. And supposedly it travels through space at 67,000 miles per hour, right? We don't even know what that means, let's be honest. That's just what science tells us, right? And, and so it's hurtling through space and it's inside of this galaxy Right? But that galaxy is inside of millions of galaxies. We don't understand that if we're honest. We just know that's really, 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 really big. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. Right? Because our Father is in heaven. That's His dwelling place. And our dwelling place is in His hand. That makes Him really, 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 really big. And all of a sudden, our focus has gone from here and what we see in front of us to something much larger. And then, it, and then in that context, Jesus says, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed, by the way, is, is to honor as. So what you're supposed to do within prayer is he goes, hey, remember who you're talking to. Remember where he is. Now, now, in adoration and worship, honor him as God. What does that look like? It means I begin with reminding myself who He is. I begin with fixing my gaze in adoration on Him. That God, You are love. You are good. You are just. You are holy. You are really, really big. Bigger than I can even comprehend. You're a safe God. You're a holy God. And what happens in this moment, right on the front side of prayer, is, is my eyes are taken from here. My eyes are taken from here, from me. And what happens is I get a glimpse of God, and that starts to frame up who I am. All of a sudden, I realize I'm not God. I don't hold the world together. I don't need to hold the world together. All of a sudden, in that moment, I begin to just breathe. I begin to just let my soul catch up. And I begin to get a glimpse of who he is. And so here's what we're going to do today. We're just going to pray, stop, and give you time to actually pray this. In your own words, in your own, however you need to frame up God this morning, remind yourself of who he is, thank him for who he is. Like the next moment, roughly about a minute, is going to be yours to just frame up this is who God is. This is who I'm talking to. This is and get get our get our gaze on Him, and let Him begin to frame up us. So the next moments are are yours. And so, yeah, you can have a seat. In the place of adoration and worship. Jesus says, when you pray, begin there. Begin there. Because something shifts and moves within us. When we stop, when we pause long enough just to 
to gaze on Him and focus on Him and see Him for who He is and to honor Him as God, something, something dislodges inside of us. Grips that we have on, on even our own selves and our own worth, and our own, it, it, it helps it fall away. And it's in that context of adoration and worship that then Jesus moves on to say, when you pray, pray that your kingdom come. That your kingdom, your kingdom, the, the God that you just adored and worshipped, that, that God, that big God, the God that's in heaven, the, the, the next step is to recognize that, wait, 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 you have a kingdom. That, and if you think about the concept of a kingdom, just for a second, it, they, a kingdom has a reign, it has a rule, it has standards. And, and so in the context of God, in the context of His greatness and His character and His nature, it says specifically then, your kingdom, your kingdom, that is ruled by justice, that is ruled by holiness, that is ruled by righteousness, that is ruled by love, that kingdom that is full of mercy and full of grace, that kingdom, God, I'm asking for it to, to come. And, and see, what begins to happen is if the first part, if the first part is adoration and worship, the second part is about my soul's surrender, about me laying down me. And, and so in here, then, it's your will be done. Your will be done. And see, if we're, if we're really honest, this is the crux of prayer. This is the battlefield of prayer. And it begins by this adoration and worship so that we frame up, we get a glimpse, right? But then, then that glimpse should automatically now begin to move us to what the second piece is of just surrender. That, that within this, this next part, it's, it's, it's on earth. There's a location to it, right? So, so your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth. Guess what earth is? Earth is our home. Earth is that space we've declared as ours, right? And, and what we're asking is that, that heaven would crash into it. That, that essentially, if you like the thing of space invaders, right? That God is a space invader. And what he wants to invade is the space called you. And what prayer does is prayer is the battlefield then that as we begin to pray, we begin to ask God that, hey, God, your will, what you desire for my marriage, I want that to happen over what I want. That, that person that I think I should marry, God, I actually want your will over that. God, my, my kids and what they do and how they're raised and where they go. God, I want your will in that. What, and see, what begins to happen is the fingers essentially get to, you're prying them back away from holding on. And what prayer does is allow us to be open-handed. Knowing that, knowing that God's hands are much better for it to fall into than ours in the first place. And so what begins to happen within here then is over each area, my, my job, God, your will, your kingdom, that, that thing that rules in your kingdom, God, those principles, those, those guidelines, those standards, God, I want them to flow into what I do on an everyday basis, this thing I call work, that my business would be honest, that I would be trustworthy, that I would always be truthful. Well, I don't know about you, but then life starts to look a little different, right? 
Because you know that enemy you got? Oh, God says, yeah, yeah. My rule and will even falls there. That relationship is broken? Yeah, I want, I want my rule and my, my reign to flow there. I want it to crash into it. On earth, as it is in heaven. This is the battlefield. You see, this can take... And people always ask, right? Like, how long should I pray? The question already is going, I have stuff I want to get. How do I get it? Tell me the magic formula to get, right? And what God, what Jesus is doing here is he's going, hey, you know what? It's not, it's not about, this is, this is about shaping your soul. Prayer is about shaping your soul. It's about molding and moving. And sometimes it takes 10 seconds to align my will with God's will. And sometimes it takes a really, really, really long time because I know what he's asking. I know where he's leading. Jesus, Jesus experienced this, right? So if you, John chapter 11, Jesus is at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. And Lazarus has died. He's been dead four days. And Jesus is going to pray a prayer to raise Lazarus from the dead. Now, if there's ever a prayer that should be eloquent and painting the Milky Way and pulling it all together, it's this one. This is a resurrection prayer, right? So you would think Jesus would have this elaborate, like, man, I'm going to go before the throne and we're going to paint it all. He says, hey, God, I know what you're going to do. You know what you're going to do. I'm just praying because there's a whole bunch of people watching and I don't want them to think I did it. I want them to know you did it. Move the rock. Ten seconds. That prayer lasts roughly. For Jesus to raise his friend back to life. But now fast forward to the garden. Jesus is about to go to the cross. And he's wrestling with what's ahead. And it says that that takes most of the night. Because he's wrestling with what? If there's any other way, I don't want to go through what I'm about to go through. I don't want to walk this road. But not my will, but yours. It's about surrender. Prayer is about surrender. Prayer is about getting us to the place where we're soft and molded, going, God, I really, really want what you want for my life. I want to pry the fingers. I want them to be open. And I, want to be, I want to be surrendered to you. So I begin in adoration and worship because that'll help me. That'll help me frame up that you're trustworthy and you're good and you're big enough. And then, God, I want to, I want to melt my will to yours before I move any further. And so we're going to take some, some time again just to pray. And, and this time in, in the prayer is, is we're going to pray through this. What, what is it in you today that you're going, God, I just want to align my soul to yours. I need to surrender. I need to surrender. I want your will. I want your kingdom. I want, and, and then specifically in the areas of your life, where does that need to flow to? And so the next moments, next moments are yours. So now in a context of surrender, where, where I'm aligned with, hey, God, your will, your will, not mine. Jesus then goes on to say, when you pray, you pray, give us today our daily bread. Notice, notice where the give falls. 
The give, the give isn't what we start with. I, I don't know about you, but my prayer life could often be, I'm in such a rush that it's just rapid fire of what I need um, and totally forget adoration and totally forget surrender. It's just like we're down to brass tacks. Let's get this done, right? And Jesus goes, no, 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 frame up. Frame up who God is. Frame up surrender. And then in that context, give us today. Give us today our daily bread. Now that word daily bread, by the way, is um, the literal is bread for tomorrow. And so scholars are all over the place like, what does that actually mean? And the consensus where they fall is that if you're praying in the morning then your bread is for that that 24 hours in front of you. But if you're praying in the evening, then you're actually praying for your needs that will come when you wake up. So so kind of the consensus is that within a 24-hour span, you're saying to God, hey, God, this this is, would you give me your daily bread? Now, daily bread in the context of the original listeners, they would have instantly gone back to the Israelites in the wilderness, right? And they're there, and their daily bread, their need of the moment was... We need food, right? And so God lets frosted flakes fall from the sky all over, and they go out and they collect them up, and they like frosted flakes, so much so that they collect two days. The only problem is they rot, because God only intended it to last for one day, because he was teaching them about dependency. Maybe what we get from Jesus in this moment is that what he's trying to teach us is that prayer is a molding of your soul that needs to take place on a daily basis. Now, living where we live, depending on your life situation, like it's really easy to just assume, right, that tomorrow's food is there. It's really easy to assume that tomorrow's needs are met because you can't foresee any changes. But I think daily bread in the context of where we live and what we do is, is that God, what God's saying is, hey, after adoration, and worship and this, this posture of surrender, like daily bread at that point becomes, what do you need today? And, and what I mean by that is, all week as I've been going through this, God's kept bringing people in my life. And as I'm having, having a conversation with them, I'm going, that's daily bread. That's daily bread. That's daily bread. That's daily bread. And every one of them looked different. One gentleman I was talking to, his, his daily bread literally this week, because he's got some medical stuff coming, coming next week. This week was, we need to take you off of everything that's been managing your pain. And his daily bread literally is just, just I just need to make it through the pain today. Make it manageable, please. And that's daily bread for him. If you don't have a job then your daily bread is what? I need a job, right? Or if your food, if your pantry literally has no food, your daily bread is physical food. I need you to show up and provide. And see, each one is about dependency. Each one is about dependency. Someone in my life met someone this week that, that they didn't even have, like they were at a point where they're going, my daily bread is I just need to put gas in my car right now. Each situation, if you're sick, your daily bread is what? I just want to be well so I can function. If you're a mama and you're sick, like you're going, I need to get healthy because those babies need me. So today, would you just let me get up and function? 
in each and every situation. What I love about this, what I love about this prayer that as we get into it, give us today our daily bread. That daily bread becomes extremely personal. Because what you need today, some of you, you're like, man, I can't even get out of bed because of what I've been through. Just getting my feet on the floor is a miracle today. That's your daily bread. For others, you're running so fast in so many directions, your daily bread is, I just don't want to have a heart attack. Right? Just keep me breathing. Keep me upright. And so, in this idea of give us today, today, it's a daily thing that we go before God and we go, God, I am completely in a posture of surrender, right? Because that's what we're coming out of. Posture of surrender. God, I'm completely dependent on you. If you don't show up, I'm in trouble. And what you're recognizing is a rhythm that goes all the way back to Genesis where humanity was created to be dependent on God for everything. And what prayer is allowing us to do is to connect back to the original rhythm that everything was designed in where God became our provider. God was the one that showed up and we had life because of it. That's what this is. God's taking us back to this point going, be dependent on me. And so, today, what do you need? What do you need? In a posture of surrender, recognizing this adoration and worship that's taken place. What is your soul? How do you need God to show up? What are you dependent on Him for right here, right now? What is your daily bread in this moment? And so we're going to give you a little bit of time again just to Declare before God. He says, he says, by the way, in Luke it's fascinating because where this prayer is recorded in Luke, what follows is ask. The, the not ask and seek, or I forget the order, right? But, but the idea is that he says, hey, when you're in a posture of surrender and you ask for your daily bread, you'll find it. And so we have the privilege bought by the blood of Jesus to go, Hey, God, here's where, here's where I'm at today. And so time's yours. After this moment where Jesus says, what do you, what do you need? Tell God what your needs are. He, he then continues on and he goes into, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, now the idea of forgiveness in this context is it's, it's, a, it's a release, but it's not a release from, hey, God, would you forgive me for that specific deed that I've done? It's, it's would you forgive, would you release me from the guilt of what I've done? It's a removal of chains that want to hold you back because if you're entrapped in a cage of guilt, then what happens is you're not free to move and just experience his will. And so what it, what it essentially is doing is it's going, hey, God, would you and forgive me, forgive me for, forgive me for my debts. Some translations say sin. But notice the, notice the context that it comes out of as we also have forgiven our debtors. The, the idea behind that is how could I ever ask God for forgiveness? How can I ask God to release me from my guilt if I'm not even willing to release them from their guilt? 
How could I go before God and go, God, I need to be released. Come on, you've got to release me. Knowing that full well in the context, I'm holding something against my brother or sister. And so the idea is that if, if I'm going to go to, before God and I go, God, I need you to release me from the guilt. I need you to forgive me. Then I've already done the hard work of going to that person. You see, and as I begin to pray this, here's what happens people start coming to mind. Things that I may be held. And what God's doing is He's clean slating the whole thing so that there's no chains holding us back as we move forward. And then the last part of this, so, so if that's the past, right? Release me from the past and then it's protect me for the future and, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The, the idea of, of lead us is... Okay, there's this thing, right? And everybody's unique. What, what your struggle is, what your temptation, what that looks like for you is going to be different than the person sitting next to you. And, and so in prayer, it's, it's God, I know the thing that will derail me. God, would you lead me away from? God, would you lead me around? Would you steer my path in such a way that that, that I know that thing that will derail me, would you protect me from it? And by the way, after experiencing a service like this and praying the way that you have, you better believe that there's an enemy that wants to instantly chain you back up and trap you in your own little world and you're in control. And so that wraps out with, would you deliver us, deliver us, rescue us, set us free, protect us from the enemy that's waiting. And so it's about forgiveness. It's about forgiveness. God, would you release me, but... I'll re, I've already released them. And then, God, would you steer my path in such a way that I don't get drawn to the wrong thing that will derail me from a posture of surrender? And so, as we close this out, we're going to give you one last, one last moment to just sit and, man, what do you need to be released from? What guilt is holding you? Who? Maybe, maybe God needs to put people in faces and you need to do the hard thing later of going, I mean, I'm releasing you. I'm not holding that anymore. Or maybe it's just you are driven towards this and you know that'll derail you. And it's, I just need to pray for protection right now. I need protection from that, but I also need protection from an enemy that's very real that doesn't like me being in a posture of surrender. And so, again, the, the moment's yours. disciples asked Jesus teaches how to pray and he said adoration and worship begin there and in a posture of surrender to my will my kingdom crashing into yours declare your dependency with what you need for today how do you pray it's that easy church that easy. We hope that as you go, those of you that walked in going, I don't know how to pray. It's weird to me. Just keep doing what you did today. It's that easy. Those of you that have been praying longer than I've been alive, um, I hope you're encouraged because Jesus' words never get old, right?